Hey friends, welcome to the Robin Graham show. I'm so grateful you're joining me for another episode where we dive into entrepreneurship, faith, mental health, and so much more. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a brand strategist, business coach, and mentor. Join me every week to learn how mindset, strategy, and action combined will produce the results you were dreaming of. Discover your purpose and follow your God-led callings, values, visions, and passions to create a personal brand and strong foundation for long-term success. The sky is the limit when we spend time with like-minded people. Through interviews and solo episodes, we'll be diving into inspiring stories, life and business journeys of failure and success, and the strategies and tools used along the way. Ready to learn? Grab your cup of coffee, the car keys, or the dog's leash, and let's dive in to this episode. Okay, listeners, buckle your seatbelts because we have an amazing guest today. We're going to have a great conversation. It's going to be high energy. And if you're going to take notes, you better be prepared to write fast because my guest speaks fast. So <laughs> I have been binging her for quite a while now. I love her spirit, her energy. And there's so much about Tamara that we're going to dive into today and really kind of unfold some of the mysteries around faith. And I don't mean mysteries as in like mystical or anything like that, but those mysteries around how do we present ourselves as Christians, as entrepreneurs? And I recently did an episode on the Proverbs 31 woman and talked about entrepreneurship and faith. And this is going to help us go a little bit deeper, but we're going to also talk a lot about mental health and how our journeys can shift dramatically when we have a breakdown and we have no idea why, but then we discover why. I guess is what I'm going to say. And Tamara was on such a journey and I'm super excited to share her with you as part of our mental health and entrepreneurship series this year. And without further ado, I am going to let Tamara introduce herself a little bit more, but I will say this. She is frequently called the entrepreneur rabbi, which is, I think, so cute. So without further ado, Tamara Andres, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'll try not to talk too, too fast, but you can also press the slow down button on any <laughs> listening app, right? <laughs> or the speed up, depending. Um, but yeah, so my name is Tamara Andress, and I am a fellow podcaster myself. I've got the Fit and Faith podcast, which is one of my favorite things that I do in regards to quality time with new friends, new relationship building uh, in entrepreneurship. It's one of the ways that I started into this particular venture. Um, I have something by the name of Fit in Faith Media Co., uh, which is newly launched alongside my publishing company, my e-course creation company, and uh, it also helps people who have stories share their stories by publication, podcasting, e-coursing, and business consulting. So it's been a journey. I love it so much. I'm so honored to be able to serve people through their purpose, through their story, through their Christian lens and how they want to activate in the world, um, ultimately with a root mission of obliterating shame and activating purpose. And so it goes back to the shame conversation, which is so uh, just everything that I do, I am conscientious of empathy from an empathetic lens of shame, of guilt, of uh, people living in that coping mechanism society because it's a part of my story. And so I know that entrepreneurs sit in that and they can't unlock the fullness that God has planned for them based on traumas and things. So as you're talking, yes, we connect on that level. Yes, 100%. And, you know, 
the reason we connected was because I was in a clubhouse room one day and I heard you talking and I was like, I want to be like her when I grow up. Mind you, you're probably 20 years younger than I am, but you just really inspired me with your truth and how you were so open about your faith and nothing held you back. You seemed to have a ton of positive energy, but more so no fear for putting yourself out there. And I really respected that. And then when I saw that you published your book, Sex, Shame, and Love, and it's titled Always Becoming, I thought, I've got to connect with her. And then you did a post one day about body image and it was a cute little reel. And you were like approaching a mirror. You had different outfits on in each little frame of the reel. And I said to you, oh my gosh, I so relate. It's like, you're telling my story. And body image has been such a significant struggle for me since I was a teen. And we talk about body image and we, and you talk about body image in your book, but the most interesting thing I think is being able to see ourselves in a different light and that light of Christ. And you, you talk about that in the book. And I would love for you to elaborate a little bit about that. And we can dive into and almost work backwards, I guess, because I think when we experience something that lends us to fall into a place of shame, oftentimes we, we go to those things and those places of control, those things we can control. And so I think we have that in common, but I think so many people have that in common with us. Yeah. And I, I, there's so many different parts to that conversation I want to jump into. I think the body image piece being cultivated by a sexism culture, by a culture that is looking through the lens of what is the body for rather than what is the vessel for. And from uh, an experience of sexual abuse, I will say, that occurred when I was little that then led into cyber sex and pornography and all of these understandings. As a very young child, I was perceiving myself as completely just a tool for the opposite sex. I didn't really fluctuate in weight a lot other than when I was like quitting athletics, right? When I was in, in high school, but I always thought that everything that I did needed to be for either the pleasure of somebody else, never under my own level of expectation and or I had to fit a certain frame in order to be loved. And so that in and of itself, I mean, think about 17 magazine that came out back when I was 14. Think about MTV and the way the women were uh, portrayed at that point. And this is in the thick of my um, my cerebral cortex being completely wide open and malleable at any point. Mm -hmm. I was having this conversation in the wee hours of this morning, actually, with my girlfriend who her and her husband, he won uh, America's Got Talent, Dustin Tavella, if you aren't familiar, this past season. So we're going out, we're taking our kids to Vegas to go see his show. It's uh, premised in miracles, even though it's magic, they're God sold out 100%. And so I was telling her about how I'm really nervous to bring my kids into a place in an environment where I know that they're going to see pornography literally right on a billboard, right? Pornography mm -hmm. right on stage. If there is some sort of show as a component that has half naked women. And that is so sad that we have to consistently be blinding the eyes, blinding um, our children from something that is completely a societal norm. And so my passion in obliterating shame it has to start from something people are familiar and, and contextually okay with. And it generally starts with our body. 
uh, as women. We're in the mirror every single day. We are either hating ourselves or picking ourselves up every single moment of the day in comparison or just in comfortability of ourselves. Comparison doesn't even matter. We know when our jeans fit the way we want them to fit and when we are ashamed of trying to get into the jeans that don't fit any longer. And so my passion stemmed even through the Fit and Faith podcast. And my original name of my book was Fit and Faith, uh, was the understanding that fitness and nutrition and well-being, uh, I didn't even know anything about mental health at the time um, when fitness was such a granular piece of who I was. Everyone goes to body conscientious first, right? It's mind, body, soul, spirit. And a lot of times mental health is pushed to the side. Body is the primary thing that shows up in spaces, in places, in our own, you know, walk into a building. What are they looking at first? It's your body image. Mm -hmm. And so I had to strip myself from an identity perspective that my body was not what precede me and my emotion, my mental health, my spiritual health, my spiritual man, in fact, was what preceded me into the room. And when I figured that out, when I unlocked that, my body became the vessel to steward the Holy Spirit rather than a tool for anybody to use or gawk at or any of those things. Mm, I love that so much. And you're right. We focus so much on the outward. And if only we could lead with our soul and our spirit and the fact that the Holy Spirit is inside of us, what a difference our choices would make and what a difference the outcomes of those choices would be and how we present ourselves to serve versus presenting ourselves to just be present for our own good, our own goals, our own dreams. Yeah. And I think that goes into the stewarding conversation of how are you stewarding yourself from not only the body conscientious piece, but the mental health, the spiritual health, all of those different areas. I think through of the suppression and coping mechanisms that happen based on us wanting to fit into a box of some sort of cultural norm. So I was suppressing with alcohol. I was suppressing with uh, shopping, any addiction, honestly, that you can think of. I've probably tried it other than drugs. And so I, I think that it's necessary for us to have open conversations about what are those suppression mechanisms that are detracting us from the fullness and the entirety of what God has premised us to be and to show up in that way. And so when a lot of people see me, they're like, you're so joyful. You're so, you just like have so much freedom in the way that you share Christ or the way that you show up in life. And that is the freedom only happens when you are willing to face what has kept you in a box for so long. And that often looks like skeletons in your closet. So for a very long time, when I was experiencing all of these different things that were essentially just distractions from my truest emotions and my truest self, uh, they were societally normal. And so no one was knocking at my door being like, Tamara, we should really work on this, right? From the outside looking in, she's got the great hot husband. She's got the white picket fence. They've got two careers. They're both entrepreneurs. They've got a boy first and a girl second, and they're healthy and they're fit. We were considered Barbie and Ken. And that drove me insane because it was really hard to be Barbie and Ken, There was expectations of perfectionism that I was simply suppressing in every other realm of life, but nobody said anything. There was no red flags. And so mental health and the conversations of rooted systems are something that is really important to me because even roots that go back generationally that we don't even know about are affecting our marriages. They're affecting our body images. All of these different things are happening 
Um, and so I talk a lot about this concept of landscape design. Have you heard this at all before, Robin? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. understanding that landscape design in the kitchen, it's easy to understand, right? Like mm-hmm. you want to eat healthy. So you go to your pantry, you're going to completely clear out everything that's in your pantry that is not hundred percent whole organic and that actually has an expiration date on it. It's not going to last into the eons of, of infinity, right? If right. it has an expiration date and there's less than like four to five ingredients, you're probably okay. Everything else throw away. Same thing with your fridge and your freezer. And so understanding from a landscape design perspective, you will not snack later in the evening, which is a problem that we generally have. Society overeats. They're suppressing comfort foods with comfort foods. You don't have that option unless you're going to physically think and process that you're going to get in the car. You're going to turn on the ignition. You're going to drive 10 minutes out of your way to get the ice cream cone. You're going to pay the money at that point to do and pay for the thing that is four times the amount that you could have got it at the grocery store with. You're going to suppress in the car and you're going to eat that thing. And then you're going to go back and you're going to feel really peaceful about it. Now, do people do that mindlessly all the time? hundred percent. Did I do that all the time? hundred percent. But if you can curate a space in the landscape design architecture of your home, of your pantry, of your fridge, the likelihood is not as high. And so the same thing happens with anything that's going into your ears, your eyes, and your spirit is the same thing that's happening with your mouth. And so I had to start not listening to secular music. And I did this based on choice. And I could have easily stayed in that concept. But if you really listen to music, even country music, which was predominantly what I listened to, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's shame oriented. It's cheating. It's body image issues over and over again. Like, why do I need apple bottom jeans? No, I don't. Because that's saying that my figure needs to look look a certain way. And same thing with my eyes. I stopped watching TV. I stopped watching media. I stopped looking at anything was outside of the lens of what I truly believed was my identity as a daughter of the king. And that picture looks so much different than the picture you would see on a magazine. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. And, you know, I have to say, like, I have a lot of willpower and I'm very disciplined. And I still think that it is so hard to do that. It's so hard to make that shift into a place where you were doing things and living a life different than all of your friends and all of the people you're surrounded with. Yeah, it was absolutely impossible, it felt. Uh, However, when those people start falling to the wayside because you are no longer living in this false identity, people get really uncomfortable with truth. They get really uncomfortable with authenticity when they too are living in a place of shame, but they don't talk about it because of the societal pressures. uh, And therefore, they, they start dwindling. And I was the person who like coordinated every Friday night party. I knew where all of our friends were going to go. I knew what drinks we were going to have. I was festive, all the things. And so when I became a mom, I, I experienced this for the first time when I was one of the first of my mom group to, or my friend group to be a mom. So many people stopped calling me, especially my guy friends, right? Like they couldn't relate at all. And then it happened again when I stepped into my faith lens of relationship with God and really wanting to walk out a Christ-like experience. And I didn't do this like religiously. And I want to speak to people about that because there's a very big difference between religion and relationship. I haven't followed a law I haven't had anybody from like a Pharisee, Sadducee perspective being like, you need to stop doing this. That's not the type of people or the experience that I've had in my faith. 
really at any point in my walk with God, other than when I was completely kicked out of my youth group because they found out I was having sex when I was 16 years old, right? So there's these understandings that the hard the hard parts are actually the most worth it parts. Because what you give up when it comes to all of the parties, the fame, the fun, uh, you're actually gaining so much more. You're gaining intimacy in relationships, which I never had. I have some of my best, best girlfriends. I never had the depth of relationships that I have now, even though I had hundreds of people in my phone book reaching out to me on a weekly basis back then. Same with relationship with my husband. So I walked into this experience alongside being married for four years together for seven and having kids. So we changed everything about our lifestyle. And it was not really like a sit down conversation. We need to check these boxes in order to walk in the spirit. That wasn't it. It was living a life of desiring to be more wholesome and having our hands in a surrendered state and our hearts in a postured state to receive little notions of conviction. And I say this all the time on my podcast, when I show up to it, I always am looking for an area of conviction. I'm like, God, teach me something new today. Teach me a way to be more like you. And in conversations like these, Robin, you'll say something that will prompt my spirit. And I'm like, holy cow, that's exactly why I gave up alcohol was a convicted conversation on a podcast where a girl did a year long sobriety experience. And the only reason that it really intrigued me was that I had had multitude of conversations with my children and with the alcoholism that runs in my family that I was like, you know what? I need to release this thing that has a, such a suppression on me that I don't even truly know how I feel. I say it's because I'm stressed that I have wine, right? They have all of the language like mommy needs a marg, right? Like that's cool. That's culturally norm. And it's not okay when my five-year-old comes up to me and says, oh, did you have a long day, mama? Do you want a glass of wine? No. What is that teaching them? That's teaching them that I don't have to deal with stress or long days, but instead the way that I should positively experience my family when I come home, have that detached, unplugged experience where I can just sit on the couch and read a book and have a bubbly because I do. I have to kind of transitioned my wine to bubbly flavored water, which I know has its own uh, premonitions of it being bad for you. But it's this knowing that every opportunity that you have to shift away when you think something is hard and you actually run towards it, there is an unlock that God's going to provide in blessings, obedience and discipline that come to the other side that your fruit becomes that much more succulent because you're willing to do the hard thing and release what everybody else says is completely the easy way of showing up in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, you're so right. Spot on. So Tamara, let's talk a little bit about incorporating your faith into everything you do from a business perspective. And I was telling you this story before we dove into the to the interview and started recording, but I had an experience this week and my faith is very important to me. And I do talk about it on the podcast. I talk about it in you know social media posts, like whatever. But I have always had this reservation to really put it out there as I am a coach for Christian entrepreneurs. And this week I had an experience where a client chose to work with another coach instead of me. And of course I was sad, but I asked the question, so can you tell me what that coach offered or what made you connect more with them than to than me? Because she had expressed a connection with me that, you know, and I had already taught her all these things and I, I felt like it was so good. And her response to me was, I feel like the other person is going to dive deeper into my calling. And I'm like, 
snap. I, I talk about callings. Like I help people find their calling and their purpose. And I, I talk about God, but I clearly missed the boat on this. I didn't talk about that. And it was because I didn't know where she stood on that. And so I didn't bring it up out of fear of if I did, she might not hire me. So I want to talk about that because that's me confessing that I wasn't following along. I wasn't letting the the spirit lead me through those conversations. I was doing my own thing. And I think we all have moments like that. Not all. There are some people like you. And, and I also think of Stephanie Gass. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's the same way. Very faith led, very everything. And I've always looked at this like, gosh, am I going to isolate myself? Am I going to limit myself? And then I wonder, you know, at the same time, if somebody that is non-Christian comes to me, I think it is a wonderful opportunity to then witness and help them maybe come to Christ. But I'm afraid of those things. So what I want to know, like, how do you address that? How have you overcome that? And how can the listeners, you know, do what I'm hoping to do as well and, and really lead through my faith versus just saying that I'm unapologetically grounded in faith, but I am unapologetically leading with my faith. Yeah, this is a powerful question and a conversation that I honestly am consistently having. So to say not all, there's people like you, I struggle with it too. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples um, to help people unlock this and how I've kind of moved past it. So this year, earlier this year, I hired my coach because coaches need coaches. I have a chapter in my book about trainers needing trainers. Um, It's really a powerful experience. So I invested in an incredible coach and I went to my first mastermind with a bunch of people. And I knew that my coach was in his faith. And so I think naturally I assumed a lot of the other people were in their faith and um, in their Christian faith, I should say. And I ended up interacting with a gal who practices Judaism and she, you know, refers to herself as a Jew, but also has that very outward, energetic, universal spirit about her, which I am all for. I love Uh that so much because I am very much that organic, crunchy person, right? Uh And um, I'm sitting there and we spent the whole day before together because we got in early and we just had the most amazing connection. So much conversation was just so aligned. And throughout the entire weekend, I was showing up as my authentic self. She was showing up as her authentic self. And I was open with everybody that I am a Christian business coach. And it was the very last conversation where we do this really cool practice of reflection. And each person gets like dedicated time to share, uh, dedicated time to get feedback, and then a dedicated section where the people talk about you as if you're not in the room. And so they talked about me as if I wasn't in the room and they were basically saying like, she's not a Christian business coach. I think that she is limiting her audience. She does so much more than that. Like that's not just who she is. She offers a lot more. And when I was listening to this, I'm like, man, that's so difficult to hear because I had done so much branding around being a Christian business coach. And so they thought that I should promptly and swiftly change my lingo to purpose activator. So people who explore Christianity, they're connected to calling conversation or purpose because there's this hierarchy or calling on every single person's life where we feel like we have been positioned into something, whether it's a vision that we've had, a dream that we've had, God put it in our spirit. If God's not associated, they just feel led to, right? This conversation happens across different forms of religion. And 
So I, I struggled with this so much because I shifted everything to purpose activator and yet I felt misaligned to my truest identity, which was positioning God in the forefront of what I do. I still talked about my faith. I still did all of those things. Fast forward to an experience just last weekend where I was on this massive stage with a bunch of people and it was a faith and business conference. Everybody knows that I was an ordained minister. I was co-hosting this experience and yet the entire time leading up to it, I just had back and forth conflict of what will they think? How should I be showing up? What should I teach? How should I portray myself? And it was right before my first official keynote. I had already been on stage probably 13 times at this point. I'm sitting in the back and everything that I had simmered over for hours that morning and the hours and weeks prior to in regards to teaching business, God was literally like freezing my tongue. And I was pacing back and forth and I looked at my husband. I was like looking in the socket of his soul, like, give me words. I don't know what I'm going to say when I get up on stage because I feel like there's this conflict of spirit that I need to teach something else than what I had thought ideally I was going to train on, which was business. And the people needed that. I knew that. But God was like, no, 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 I got you. And I had to completely surrender and lean into that because when I got up on stage, everything changed within the two minutes prior to. I had somebody playing keys. I was talking. Everything that I had planned, my slides never came on. I never did a pitch. I started dancing. And I've never danced on stage like that. But as I was up there, my husband had given me this sound advice. Why don't you just get up there and open in prayer? Like that's not, people expect that. It's okay. We've had some worship services at this point. And when I did that, when I started worshiping, God just said, be you, freely you, dance like no one's watching. And I did this and I will never you can mark my words, never move forward without embracing the full entirety of who I am in Christ. Because what happens when you do that is chains are broken for other people. We don't have to sell anything as business owners if we are sold out. And as a sold out Christian, which is exactly how Jesus existed in the world, he didn't have to go around preaching. He got to talk in parables. He didn't ever say, This is me, right? He didn't talk about that. Instead, he talked about the truth. And I believe as an entrepreneur, if we just show up in truth, in authenticity and vulnerability, whether you say you're a Christian or not, people will know by the fruit that you bear. Uh And so when people come to me, there's a magnetism of joy. There's a magnetism of energy. There's a magnetism of freedom. And they want to know what is that secret sauce. They want to know what is that thing that I have not unlocked. And so one of my programs is literally called the Joyful Entrepreneur. Why? One, because I've existed on both sides of that conversation. And two, because most entrepreneurs don't have an element of joy. They're overwhelmed. They're moving Mm -hmm. a million miles a minute. They feel less than all the time. They're, They're existing in their business rather than operating within their calling on their zone of genius, on top of their business rather than in the granular. And so there are so many ways that you can show up and be an entrepreneur, be a business leader, be a team leader, be anything. And even in your household, if you're dealing with this and your spouse is yet to believe, you don't have to shove the Bible down anyone's throat for them to have a truth bearing experience with you. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. And it's it's funny because when my book publishes, I have a chapter on faith and I have, I mean, God has been a huge part of me overcoming anxiety throughout my life. And 
I mean, sometimes just getting out of bed in the morning, right? And so when I turned the first draft over to my publisher and editor, and she said, well, so this is for a Christian audience. And I'm like, no, this is for every audience because there may be a teen out there that is completely lost and she may need to learn who Christ is. She may not know anything about faith and I want to help her. I I want her to get help too. So I don't want to just like isolate it in a silo. Everything you said is so important because I think if we show up as our true selves and we let him lead us, we will end up where we're meant to be and doing the things we're meant to be doing, how we're meant to be doing them and serving the people we're meant to be serving. Yeah. And then you're not staying in that bubble or that trap, honestly, or chains or bondage, whatever word you want to use of comparison or expectation, because we can't live in either. We can't live in while they're further along or they're Christian, but they're operating like this. Mm -hmm. When I was getting my ordination and minister's licensing, it was my final session and I was meeting with the pastor and he just wanted to have like a, he's apostolic. So he just wanted to have like a vision of where I was going And I said, I feel called into the entrepreneurial space, into the marketplace. And the marketplace is not Christian. And I don't know how I'm supposed to exist with all of this knowledge, with all of this Jesus within me in that space. And all he said was one sentence, one phrase. He said, God will give you grace for your space. And Mm. when I heard that, I just, I had this peace about the fact that my calling looked different than a ministry leader. It looked different than a pastor who planted a church. It looked different than a women's leader for a Bible study or anything like that, because what I know I'm good at and what I know I've been gifted into and through is taking him and planting seeds in a place that is broken, in a place that is dark. And I was there. So if you are confused on like, what's your purpose, what's your calling, Where should I go? How does she know so clearly? First off, I don't. We are always becoming. I am always unpacking my purpose. It's not a destination. It's a process. It's a Uh journey. And so I don't always know. But what I do know is that I am prompted to say yes to opportunities. And that's no different than the opportunity of last weekend. It's no different than being in a mastermind with people of all different faiths and knowing that we are all aligned. God is within every religion. That girlfriend of mine, I love dearly, and I feel like we could make massive impact in the world together. Does that mean that I'm stepping out of alignment with my belief system? No. No. So I get to serve. You get to serve. We all get to serve everyone who is magnetized to you. They're not magnetized to you. They need to be connected to what is coming through you. Mm, I love that. That's a powerful statement. All right, Tamara, any last words of wisdom that you want to share with the listeners? I think thinking through mental health, thinking through anxiety and trauma, uh, depression, uh, I've had suicidal ideation. I've been, I've been there, right. Mm -hmm. And I've been through it all in many different ways, shapes and forms. My next book, there's lots more to it because you can't send things out into the universe that aren't fully healed because that means you're sending out that negative expression of self and that negative reflection of the enemy. Um, Because I believe that everything has a component of miraculous to it. Everything is uh, an opportunity to experience that God wink, like we talked about before. Yeah. Uh, And so I just encourage people who might still be in that dark season and they don't feel like there's there a light or that there is a light in that space. 
Um, I would encourage you to understand that that light is actually you and what you're looking for is actually you. And so going into that self-seeking experience, not self-serving, but that self-love concept that people talk about all the time, that people in the religious sector, like you can't self-love, you've got a God love, right? Well, God made you in his image. And if you learn to love him well, you'll learn to love yourself well. And then others will organically be loved well through you and your business, your marriage, your experience as a parent, uh, every little facet of your life, your fitness, your health, your well-being, it unlocks to a new caliber of joy and peace and love. And so I just encourage you to keep going. Keep trudging through the dark, but look within because I bet there is a flicker and a flame still there. It's the whole reason you're probably listening to this podcast or following Robin in her journey as well. So I'm grateful for the space and the conversation. I hope that it serves someone beautifully. Uh, you can reach out to me on Instagram. That's where I hang out most in the DMs there. You can also tune into the podcast. Um, and my website is just my name, TamaraAndress.com. Uh, so I'm excited to read your book and and see when is it it's scheduled to come out. So originally we had January 18th, but my editor is having some, and publisher is having some health issues. So I'm hoping we have more of an idea of a date. Again, I'm not sure we're going to make it because I know I asked you to um, review it for me. And um, so as soon as it comes out, it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> everybody's going to know, but I just, I don't have a concrete date anymore, which yeah. I, I'm really, really having to lean into my faith in this aspect because I'm not a patient person. And yeah. I'm thinking I wanted that date for a reason, but I keep telling myself that just like everything else in, in life, it will publish on the day it is meant to publish to help that one person that it's going to save. You know, it's that one person, that one teen girl who is struggling so deeply that she's going to find this book on that day and it's going to save her. So I just feel like it, you know, I don't have a concrete date, but I'm going with it. And for the first time in my life, I'm okay with that. (laughs) That's really good. We got better late than ever, right? And it's not late. We're just getting started. That's the beautiful part. Yes, absolutely. We're always becoming. Always becoming. Yes. Listeners, Thank you for staying till the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. And I do encourage you to tap into those feelings, tap into those thoughts that you're having that if you have an idea, chances are that's God calling you. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you to take action and do whatever that thing is. So be mindful, be open and follow that light because it's there. Seek it and it, you will find it. So please, please, please leave a rating and review. If you did enjoy this episode, that is how more listeners will find this episode and experience the love and joy that Tamara shared with us today. Until next time. Bye. You've been dreaming big and have an audacious goal, but don't know where to begin to make it all come true. You're tired of spinning your wheels and investing in online courses that you don't have time to finish. You are finally ready to invest in yourself and your business to make your dreams a reality. And I'm here to help you. Together, we'll work on mindset, create a brand marketing strategy, and take intentional action to achieve the results that you want and your clients need. Work with me in my one-to-one six-month coaching program or for a VIP day. Not sure which is best for you? Schedule a free mentorship call and we'll decide together 
just go to www.therobingram.com. Both options are invaluable. And that's a wrap, friends. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are how we grow and more people find the show. It would mean the world to me. And let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Have questions about building a personal brand and business for success? Book a free mentorship call with me at www.therobingraham.com. Until next time, remember to smile.